0: You know when he's going to be home, Dottie? Monday. Monday.
1: Tomorrow?
0: Do what? Monday. Monday? Can't hear me. <laughs> okay. Uh, they will be home on Monday. Monday. Okay. So he'll put her to rest and turn her in and scurry on home. Um, so, hold them in your prayers as they do that, and his brothers Rick and Mike and their families as well. Um, you will notice the announcements on the back of the bulletin. they are legion uh, we 'll start with tonight tonight, if you are at all interested in joining the choir. Um, <laughs> <woo-hoo-hoo>. yeah, <hi. laughs> We're a fun group of people now. <laughs> um, so we are having a, a, back to, a fall back to choir party tonight at Felisa's and Rudy's. Sorry. Um, Felisa and Rudy's at 5 o'clock. Um, you are welcome to join us if you would like to. But be fair, be fair warned, if you show up... You're a member of the choir. <laughs> Can't just show up for good, Rudy and Felicia's food. You're in. You're in. Um, so, please, ready for Christmas, and, and get ready for Christmas. Uh, the Red Cross will be here a week from Tuesday. I mean Wednesday. A week from Wednesday, see Jika to to donate. The nursery, this just tickled me when I read it the first time. The nursery is in need of a fan without blades. (laughs) Well, Okay, it's got to be one of those fancy schmancy ones, you know, that does this without the, you know, it's this big and it does this. Um, I first read that and thought, every one of my fans at home have blades. I, I guess I could break them off or something. <laughs> um, and then I realized it's one of those because um, kids will stick their fingers in there um, and a TV that they can mount on the wall. Christine has an announcement about the yard sale. I mean, the rummage sale. Good morning.
1: Good
2: morning. Uh, Our Highway 60 sale is this Friday and Saturday, and so i got a long announcement. So, number one, I want you to know the proceeds from our uh, rummage sale go to our missions and ministries. This is the only fundraiser that we do for the year. We used to do the Sureway sale also, but because we had a lot of uh, problems mostly with the health department we had to give that up so uh, a lot of the money that we raise we use that when we feed at Salvation Army every time we feed at Salvation Army it's three to four hundred dollars to feed a meal there Uh, we fed yesterday and we fed 122 people Uh, some of the money we use you know just when we hear of different needs in our community so I I hope that you will come out and support the rummage sale one of the we're doing this year is we're doing pre sales on kettle corn. Rudy is taking orders for his kettle corn, uh, so if you want to pre order any of that, uh, that money also will go to the fundraiser. Uh, what we need after church today, we need to pick up all the chairs. We've got a lot of clothes racks upstairs that we have to get downstairs. And any folding tables that we have in rooms upstairs, we got to get them downstairs. So if you could hang around after the service and help us. And if you can come back today between 2 and 4.30, we're going to start setting everything up. Our needs are uh, people to help us price stuff and people to help us get clothes down. Uh, we need Walmart bags and we need any hangers, if you have extra hangers you want to bring. Uh, I have a sign-up sheet for Friday and Saturday. We'll run the sale from 7.30 in the morning to approximately 2.30 in the afternoon. So if you could sign up to volunteer. did I Forget something, Sue? Oh yeah. Yeah, we'll have breakfast both mornings. We'll have ham biscuits, and then for lunch uh, we'll be grilling. We'll have pork chop sandwiches, we'll have hamburgers, brats, and hot dogs both days. So come and get your lunch if you can too. That's another part of the fundraiser. So appreciate y'all's help. Thank you.
3: Let's stand and greet each other this morning. Oh, sorry.
1: (laughs) It's a beautiful day. Say good morning. Beautiful morning.
0: Let us pray together. Loving God, it feels so good to call you loving, to know that you are with us because you want to be, because you love us. We can breathe a sigh knowing we don't have to run faster, jump higher, work harder for you to love us. You love unconditionally. And we are free to rest in that love. My goodness, God. Thank you. But God, we are tired. This past week we said goodbye to the fourth beloved member of our congregation in such a short time. We barely catch our breath and grieve when we find ourselves beginning again. We ask your peaceful presence with Tim and his family today as they laid his mom to rest. Hold them tight in the days ahead. God, I thank you for these folks, this family at Community Baptist. It is our heart's desire to love you with our heart, soul, mind, and spirit, and our neighbors as ourselves. That is what we truly want. But sometimes loving our neighbors is hard. They don't act as we think they should. They don't love us back. They don't care like we think they should. It's hard. But you still command us to love them anyway. You push us to listen to their stories. You tell us to treat them as we would want to be treated. Well, God, today begins a new week. And tomorrow begins a new month. So, okay, we will begin anew. Lead us. Be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. For we are ready. In the name of the one who lives and loves and will not let us go, we pray. Amen.
3: Amen. Amen.
4: for our children's time. I'm going to ask you a question, and I bet these people out here probably can answer a lot better than you can, but if you haven't heard it, you're going to hear it. Why don't you grow up and act like an adult? (laughs) Have you guys ever heard that? You will. Trust me. You will, okay? And after listening to Brother Tim's sermon last week and talking about people that has anger buildup and maybe even anger problems, but I'm thinking, you know, that's one place we can learn from you all. It seemed like there's so many times when I was a kid or my, my kids growing up gotten spits and fights with the neighbor kids and probably within the hour, maybe even less, they're walking around being buddies. As grown-ups, we can't do that. We've got to carry it on for days, weeks, months, sometimes years. And that shows how immature we are, okay? So there's one, for instance, I don't want you to grow up and be like an adult. We should come back and be like a child and forgive and forget. i got a story I'm going to read you. This was sent to me by one of my crewmen. On the habitat. And it tells a good story. I think it's one that we all need to adhere to. It's called the carpenter. Gosh, who would think I'd talk about carpenter,
1: huh?
4: <laughs> it goes like this. Two brothers living on adjoining farms fell into conflict. It was the first serious rift in forty years of farming side by side, sharing machinery and trading labor and goods as needed without a hitch. Then the long collaboration fell apart. It began with a small misunderstanding and it grew into a major difference, and finally it exploded into an exchange of bitter words, followed by weeks of silence. One morning there was a knock on John's door, and that's the older brother. He opened it to find a man with a carpenter's toolbox. I'm looking for a few days' work, he said. Perhaps you would have a few small jobs here and there. I could help with, could I help you? Yes, said the older brother, I do have a job for you. Look across the creek at that farm. That, that's my neighbor. In fact, that's my youngest brother. Last week, there was a meadow between us. He recently took his bulldozer to the river levee, and now there's a creek between us. Well, he may have done this to spite me. But I'll do him one better. See that pile of lumber by the barn? I want you to build a fence. An eight foot fence. So I won't have to I won't need to see his place or his face anymore. The carpenter said, I think I understand the situation. Show me the nails and the post hole digger, and I'll be able to do a job that pleases you. The older brother had to go to town, so he helped the carpenter get the materials ready, and then he was off for the day. The carpenter worked hard all that day, measuring, sawing, and nailing. About sunset, when the farmer returned, the carpenter had just finished the job. The farmer's eyes opened wide. His jaw dropped. There was just there was no fence there at all. It was a bridge. A bridge is stretched from one side of the creek to the other. A fine piece of work, handrails and all. And a neighbor, his younger brother, was coming towards towards them with his hand outstretched. You're quite a fellow to build this bridge after all, I've said and done. The two brothers stood at each end of the bridge, and then they met in the middle, taking each other's hand. They turned to see the carpenter hoist his toolbox onto his shoulder. No! Wait, stay for a few days. I have a lot of other projects for you, said the older brother. I'd love to stay on, the carpenter said, but I have many more bridges to build. And that's what we need to do. Rather than be mad at people and carry our grudges on forever. We need to build bridges rather than fences. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think you're supposed to go up in the corner up there. Is that what I understand? Nope. Like well, and you all know where you're going. <laughs>
1: Thank you.
4: <coughs> Thank you.
3: Larry, that reminds me of a place in Smithland, Kentucky. Which we drive by very often, where there was a, apparently a long time ago some problems with neighbors. And there's a wooden garage, but right through the very center of the garage, there is a privacy fence that was built. Right through the center of the garage, and it's been there as long as I know. And so somebody had a fight a long time ago, and it's still there to prove it. And it's just kind of sad, isn't it? It's very sad. All right, this morning we are singing a lot of. Songs about heaven. Um, I had asked Reverend Mary if we could focus on heaven uh, in our worship service because we've had so much death in our church family, and Rudy and I also have had some death in our personal family and with our friends. And I just needed to think about the happiness that heaven provides and that um, that we're all hopefully looking forward to in some time. So I'm asking you this morning now to stand with us as we sing the Heaven Medley. And I hope that you don't have any trouble following along, but we're all going to stand together. This will be a little different because it's really a kind of a choir thing, but you can sing with us as we start singing about when the roll is called up yonder. Mm -hmm.
0: places I think I've ever been in. We pray for each person here, and as we come to give our offerings we pray that we'll give gladly and cheerfully and willing. Bless Brother Tim, give them traveling mercies we pray in Christ's name.
5: This morning, thinking about heaven, wouldn't you say so? Thank you. Yeah, our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke, of uh, the, the chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, and then we skip to 11 through 32. And Reverend uh, Mary likes to read from the Good News Bible, is that correct? So we will continue. One day when many tax collectors and other outcasts came to listen to Jesus, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law started grumbling. This man welcomes outcasts and even eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. We skip to verse 11. There was once a man who had two sons. The younger one said to him, Father, give me my share of the property right now. So the man divided his property between his two sons. After a few days, the younger son sold his part of the property and left home with the money. He went to a country far away where he wasted his money on reckless living. He spent everything he had. Then a severe famine spread over that country, and he was left without a darn thing. So he went to the work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could find himself with the bean pods the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. At last he came to his senses and said, "'All my father's hired workers have more than they can eat, "'and here I am about to starve.'" I will get up and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired workers. So he got up and started back to his father. He was still a a long way from home when his father saw him. His heart was filled with pity and he ran threw his arms around his son and kissed him. Father, the son said, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. But the father called to his servants, hurry, he said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Then go and get the prize calf and kill it and let us celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. And also, and so the feasting began. In the meantime, the elder son was out in the field. On his way back, when he came close to the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come back home, the servant answered. And your father has killed the prized calf because he got him back safe and sound. The older brother was so angry that he would not go into the house. So his father came out and begged him to come in. But he spoke back to his father. Look, all these years I've worked for you like a slave and I've never disobeyed your orders. What have you given me? Not even a goat for me to have a feast with my friends, but this son of your wasted this son of yours wasted all your property on prostitutes, and when he came back home, you killed a prize calf for him. My son, the father answered, "You are always here with me, and everything I have is yours." But we had to celebrate and be happy because your brother was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: I am not usurping her. (laughs) She decided to forego today. Back some 20 years ago, I was the minister of education in the largest Baptist church in a small town in Virginia. I came to understand that the pastor that I served with had the notion that the members of this church could only like one of us if you liked him then you couldn't like me and if you liked me then you didn't like him and he really liked being liked God love us. We walked around on eggshells, weighing our actions, wondering if what we did would hurt his feelings. It was awful. (laughs) My friends, the ones who liked me, and I wound up socializing in secret. We would go to dinner uh, out of town. We would sit at different tables at the Wednesday night dinner. I'd park my car where I couldn't—they couldn't—it couldn't be seen at their homes. Needless to stay, I didn't say, I didn't stay there very long. Being around somebody, knowing that you will never measure up, is the worst kind of rejection. So there they were, tax collectors and sinners, sitting around the dinner table listening to Jesus, knowing there were Pharisees and teachers of the law standing in the back of the room, whispering, judging them as unfit to be there. Tax collectors and sinners, Luke says, the bad people, the worst of the worst. If Jesus hangs around them, well, just saying. Jesus, being the smart one that he was, knew what was going on and and what was being said. So he began telling a story because he knows we understand better through stories. The kingdom of heaven is like a shepherd who lost a sheep. Wouldn't it make sense to leave the ones that you knew were okay and go find the one that wasn't? The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who had lost a day's pay. She couldn't find that check anywhere. She swept and cleaned until she finally found it. A day's pay wasn't something to shrug at. When the sheep and the paycheck had been found, both these folks called their friends. I finally found one. Thank heaven. That silly paycheck was at the last place I thought to look. I have no idea how it got there, but I found it. Thanks be to God, what was lost is found. Pharisees, teachers of the law, are you listening? Nothing. And then Jesus told this story. There once was a man who had two sons. The younger went to his dad and said, Dad, I'm ready for my inheritance. I want you to give it to me now. Well, to be honest, the law had made provisions for splitting up the estate and doing and doling out the shares prior to the father's death. The law stated that should the father decide to divide his estate and assign his son their shares, he is legally able to do that. Now, the elder son always got a double portion compared to his brothers by virtue of the fact that he was first born. And then the sons would be responsible for their part of the estate. They would keep up the land, tend to the cattle, and use the profits to care for their dad until he died. Rather than the estate being the responsibility of the father, once the assignments were made and the paperwork signed, it became the responsibility of the son. But it did come with a codicil of using the estate to take care of the father for the rest of his life. So while this was a little out of the ordinary, it was common enough for there to be a law created to cover such a request. Okay, back to the story. Dad, I'm ready for my inheritance. I want you to give it to me now. Jesus said that after the dad divvied up his estate, assigned the portions, and signed the paperwork, it took the younger son no time at all to stick a for sale sign in the field, had the cattle listed on eBay. And once they were sold off, the younger packed his worldly possessions and began singing, Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. And slammed the door on his way out. The younger son was on his way to the good life. So long, Dad. As far as I'm concerned, you're as good as dead. Well, fast living and loose loose and fast living is great fun. Sleeping late in exotic hotels, smooth wine by the bottles, great food in restaurants whose waiters want nothing more than to meet your every need. Folks eager to be your best friends and the most beautiful women in the world at your beck and call. All because you're the one with the cash. Well, you know... A few million dollars doesn't go as far as you think it would. Eventually, the younger found himself with no money, no friends, homeless, and hungry. And all at the right time of the Great Recession. The only job he could find was slopping pigs, which of course no self-respecting Jew would ever do pigs are way too unclean they don't raise pigs they don't eat pigs they don't even come near pigs feeding pigs well it was either that or dying of starvation even that even with that the younger nearly starved to death his employer wasn't great at at paying what he promised when he promised no one saw that he was in trouble. No one helped. No one cared. The younger had lost it all. His boss certainly didn't treat his hired hands like his dad did. His dad made sure the servants had plenty to eat, a place to live, clothes to. Oh, my gosh. As soon as there was a plan in place, he would go back to his dad's farm where he would at least have food every day. He would talk his dad into hiring him as a servant because right now he was hungry, dirty, barely clothed, and had nowhere else to go. The younger kept repeating his lines as he walked back to his dad's house because it wasn't his house anymore. He kept repeating to himself. Dad, I have sinned against heaven and, and, and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired hands. Dad, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no worthy, no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. Maybe if he said his lines often enough and in just the right way, his dad would take him on as a servant. The younger was was presuming a lot. He had taken the money that was meant for him to use to take care of his dad and had blown it. And now he was hoping to be fed, even if it was as a hired hand. Now, the Pharisees standing in the back of the room listening to Jesus tell this story are most likely having a great time doing a color commentary. Yeah, right. That dad needs to kick that kid out on his backside. That kid told his dad he wished he was dead, took his money, and made him look like a fool in front of the whole town. No way would I let this kid back into my house, much less my land. He made his bed, let him die in it. Dad, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of the hired hands. The elder had stayed home, faithfully tending to his two-thirds of the estate, taking care of his dad being the good son. And after the younger left, that took some doing. The elder had a load just keeping his dad up and going day to day. Dad was devastated and heartbroken. The elder was doing what the law had said he was supposed to do, taken care of his dad he still could not believe that the younger had taken his portion of the estate and left all those years ago doesn't really matter now does it he is the sole heir everything will be his in the end actually the estate had done really well Even with having to give up a third of the farmland, and the rest had produced better than expected. The cattle stayed healthy and and produced offspring. They had brought a tidy little sum at the market, and the investments are producing good returns, and the elder will be able to take care of his dad and retire nicely. Even in the midst of recession, life had found its rhythm again. And finally, all was right with the world. Until that day, the elder had been in the field all day, taking care of business as usual. It had been a long day, and he was tired. On his way back to the house, he heard, Music! Music! Where was that coming from? He hadn't heard music in the house for a long time. Are there people dancing? What in the world? So the elder calls one of the hired servants. Hey, what's going on there? Sounds like music. Are those people like dancing? It is music and dancing. Your brother, the younger here, is here. Your dad has killed the best calf to celebrate him being home safe and sound. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? My brother is back. The same brother of mine who stabbed my dad in the heart, who took his inheritance and left. He's back. And there's a party to welcome him home. No, there is no way I'm going in that house. The father was devastated when his younger son took his inheritance early. Why would he want that? Is he not happy? Does our life here not satisfy him? Where did I go wrong? I realize he's young, but he doesn't know that this is really a good life. It's a, hot, it's a lot of work, a lot of days, but we are family. He has everything he needs. Why is that not enough? Oh, child, I think you're making a mistake, but I'll give you what you want. The father watched his land being sold off. He stood as the cattle... That he had bred was loaded up and taken away. He was heartbroken. That the life he had envisioned and sacrificed for so his children would have it better didn't seem to be good enough for the younger. He wanted something else. He left. Many a morning the father would stand out on the porch with his coffee in hand, watching the sun come up, wondering what the younger was doing. Was he safe? Was he healthy? Were there people out there to take care of him? Was he okay? There wasn't a day that went by that the father didn't carry the younger in his heart and prayers. Days turned into months and months into years. Still no word. Until one morning. As usual, the father was standing on the porch at sunrise with his cup of coffee in hand when he saw somebody coming up the driveway. It took him a full minute to realize that it was the younger. The father dropped his coffee and took off running. It wasn't exactly the most dignified thing, clutching his robe with both hands so he wouldn't trip over it in a full out sprint down the driveway. Even before he got there, he could hear the younger say something about sinning against heaven and before him, but he wasn't listening. All he wanted to do was gather him up, hold him, and look at him. The younger was skinny and dirty and smelly and raggedy, but the father didn't care. He was home. Dad, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father didn't care about that. The younger was home. Go, go get the family robe and that ring we used, the one with the family crest on it, and get this child some shoes. My son is home. We need to have a feast. Kill that calf we've been fattened up and put it on the roaster. Call the neighbors and tell them we're about to have a welcome home party. Find that DJ we like so much. We need music and dancing. My son is home. No, Dad, I am not going to that party. No, no, heck no. I have been here this whole time, slaving away, taking care of you, doing everything you have ever asked me to do. You have never once offered me a goat so that I could have a party with my friends. And now your son who took your money and spent it on who knows what is back and you kill our best calf to throw him a party. Seriously, he doesn't belong here. He doesn't belong here. He doesn't belong here. Jesus leaves us standing with the Father in the middle of two sons with no ending to the story. Was the younger sincere in his apology, or was he just looking for a place where he could get three hots and a cot? Did the father accept him back and treat him as his son, or did he go to work as one of the hired hands? Did the elder and the younger ever repair their relationship as brothers? since the younger had nothing now no job no inheritance no income did the elder finally forgive and take care of him too or did the elder keep refusing did the father keep trying to explain to the elder why should he why he should accept his brother back do the Pharisees and the teachers of the law ever understand the story There are people in our lives who are the younger. They seem to be totally irresponsible for themselves, much less anybody else. They are only interested in something if it will benefit them. They are folks who will cheat and lie and steal and manipulate and bargain and bluff if it will get them what they want. We have all heard stories of folks who stand on the street corner begging for money and then spend our hard-earned money on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We have heard those who get welfare and disability checks, but they look quite capable of working. They will steal money from our wallets and drugs from our cabinets. They are the ones who, who will turn a blind eye and won't listen to anything. They say, what difference would it make if we listened? Burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. There are people in our lives who are the elders. They do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. They follow the rules. They work hard. They honor their father and mother. They take care of their family. These are the ones that we go to when we need something done and done right. We trust them to run an honest business and help the community when needed. They serve on the boards of important agencies. Theirs are the voices we listen to. There have been times in our lives when we have stood in the back of the room and whispered, They will never amount to anything. And there have been times in our lives when we have heard the whispering and thought to ourselves, I will never measure up. And here we meet a father who has the audacity to love both sons. This father stands between the younger and the elder and offers grace, forgiveness, mercy, acceptance, and most importantly, a chance to stay in relationship with him. The father loves extravagantly both the younger, and the elder. God loves extravagantly. Our God sees what we do not, cannot see in others, and even in ourselves. God knows that we are more than our good deeds. God knows that we are more than our mistakes. And God keeps loving us Our God's love is so deep and so all-consuming that God can't help but love us. Just like the Father in this story, God stands with us when we are the elder and when we are the younger, loving us with extravagance. So I guess the question becomes knowing God loves the saint and the sinner. Can we? Amen. Amen. It is surely amazing grace that God gives for us. Shall we stand?